13 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's the SMME Exchange here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, this evening, we take a look at a study that's been conducted by Unisa Press and uh, the Township Entrepreneurs Alliance. Uh, it's a study that's taking a look at how the lockdown has affected township-based uh, enterprises, both in the informal and the formal sector. Now, these are largely micro-enterprises. And the study is focused on three specific areas. Now, the economic activity of these enterprises, financial implications of the lockdown, and the obligations of enterprises, and of course, uh, finally, the socio-economic impact that the operations continue to have in their communities and neighborhoods. And I'm joined by the founder of uh, one of the organizations that has put the study together, the Township Entrepreneurs Alliance, uh, and that is Bulalani Balabala. Bulalani, good evening to you. Hey, good evening, uh, brother Gunjan. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you Let's maybe start off, uh, I guess, before we get into you know the nuts and bolts of the study. Township Entrepreneurship Alliance, uh, I certainly have seen it uh, on social media, but for many of our listeners who might not be familiar with what, what it is that you guys do, who are you, what do you do, and uh, where are you guys based? Um, yeah, good evening to um, all the listeners. Uh, Township Entrepreneurs Alliance um, is an initiative um, driven prim- driven by uh, uh, my company IAF Brands, and its primary focus is to its primary focus is on the township um, township entrepreneurial space. So we've got a national presence. We've been operating for the past six mm-hmm. years, providing township and rural entrepreneurs with access to information, workshopping, and enterprise supply development. Um, solutions that we're able to aggregate on behalf of third-party um, corporations. And in those past six, sure. six years, we've uh, directly um, impacted or for, or for about uh, 48,000 um, township and rural entrepreneurs. Mm, yeah, mm. I think in a nutshell. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, aside from that market linkage function and the work that you do, uh, you also do quite a lot of research and thought leadership work, which is uh, what we want to talk to you about. Uh, yeah. You know, this economic impact study of uh, the impact of, of the lockdown on uh, township-based micro-enterprises. Bulalani, talk to me about the process and, I guess, the methodology behind the study. Um, and maybe even, I guess, the, the lines of inquiry, research questions that drove it. Yeah, um, I think primarily for us, maybe just, just as a start, um, one of the re- one of the main reasons that um, drove us to undertake the study, um, and I think where we also found common ground with the UNISA Press was um, in the work that we do, primarily focusing on the township. There's not, I think, number one, there's not a lot of publicly available data, and I think on multiple occasions when engaging with um, some government entities as well as some corporate entities, it became very prevalent. Um, the mm-hmm. fact that there is no real data or information in terms of what is going on on the ground, um, which is fresh data. And so I think for us, the biggest driver with this particular report, which is a start, because we want to release, um, um, uh, we want to release two reports a year. Um, so every six months apart, so that we start mm-hmm. to then number one, document what is happening within the township and rural space so that the information becomes available to policymakers. But I think what we then do uh, when one gets a hold of the report and the link is available on uh, on our social media platforms, it's pinned on mine and I'll share details later. But I think what we almost wanted to give um, the individual who's reading the report is a pre-lockdown um, sort of overview in terms of what the SMME, what the, what the, what the sort of uh, formal and informal um, entrepreneur profile looked like. 
where they're operating in, what industries they're in, and um, and also what sort of employment they're creating, and what are they, well, what's what sort of needs analysis they have, and also then give a COVID overview, so that we don't just pull the COVID impact assessment on its own, but it almost has. Mm. Um, a comparison so that when one looks at it from an enterprise supply development perspective in a large corporate or the BE transformation head or it's a government agency with the Department of Small Business when they're looking at driving their solutions that they can literally reference the report. Sure, sure. You know, for me, what's quite unsettling, I mean, about this report um, is that these are the enterprises, both nascent and existing, that are expected to really drive the uh, a pace and even the nature of the economic recovery. Um, and we're talking about firms here, for instance, whose average monthly income ranges between 5,000 and 10,000 Rand. Yeah. Now, your study found that 77% of these enterprises uh, effectively had their income drop below 5,000 Rand uh, in the moment of the lockdown, uh, when many of these were, I guess, earning per month anything between 5,000 and 10,000 Rand. Talk to me about some of these entrepreneurs, what it is that they do, uh, and I guess clearly the devastation that this has wrought, not just on, on them, but their suppliers uh, and even, I guess, uh, some of the people who benefit from their incomes. Yeah, I mean, just, just looking at that, I think just, just before I dive deeper into that, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's one of our top five key findings, right? I mean, um, over and above that, 75% of these entrepreneurs um, dropped, uh, had a drop in sales. Um, 67% of these entrepreneurs were unable to operate during the lockdown, and quite a mm. few of them are still finding their feet. And I think quite an interesting data piece that is now coming up that we're going to then be unraveling further in our next report later on in the year is there's a large number of them who have now gone to seek employment and they've decided to shut down their business wow. permanently. And you know, Sorry, and then when you look at um, when you look at the overarching, um, the, there's a section in the report which focuses on financial responsibility, and it sort of dabbles between business responsibility and personal responsibility, so that we cover the almost socio-economic impact of COVID. You then find that 60 percent mm. of these, not just entrepreneurs but individuals, have not been able to meet their financial commitments. Now, financial commitment range from paying their personal rent all the mm. way to paying employees and paying staff members and uh, paying their rates and taxes. So it then, it then shows that the lockdown in itself has a, had a ripple effect. But one of the key things that we like pointing out is that, you know, the lockdown in itself presented a challenge. You know, we lost loved ones. But I think over and above that, it presented mm -hmm. another great opportunity um, for the Department of Small Business to really um, stand up and stand in the gap. And sure. instead of having large contracts, as historically has been founded, uh, given to large organizations, and some of these organizations were almost fly-by-night-ish organizations that were created through connections, instead of giving these um, organizations bulk orders and the tunes of hundreds and, and hundreds of millions mm. of rand. Why could we not have broken up those orders, you know, and given them to small business and have a larger mm. organization play an oversight role if needed? Because you sure. look at what the minister, uh, Minister Tito Mbaweni, touched on when he was Will doing the now, now recent Will budget. Hi, hi. Sorry. Yeah, let's do this, my brother. Unfortunately, we have to go to a quick spot break. But no, no, let's no, take no, this no. brief break. But I want us to continue on the vein that you're raising because I think it does have you know, a lot of uh, policy importance. So we'll certainly pick things up just on that particular point when we come back. Thank you.
We bring it to you every Tuesday where we take a look at what's happening in the world of small and medium-sized enterprises and micro-enterprises in the South African economy. And this evening is certainly no different. We're taking a look at a study here put together by the Township Entrepreneurs Alliance alongside the University of South Africa's Press. And uh, we're speaking to the founder of uh, the Township Entrepreneurs Alliance, T. And by uh, hashtag, Banerti, join us for T. Uh, and uh, I guess a very interesting play on uh, the acronym of their organization there. And uh, their founder, Bulalani Balabala, is my guest. Bulalani, before we yeah. went to the break, I guess you were making a very important point, which is the critical importance of data in policymaking as a basis or, I guess, a baseline of evidence from which uh, certain policy decisions about actions, interventions, and what outcomes you want to achieve can be based. And I guess a big part of doing this study is about helping, in particular, the Department of Small Business Development to build up that base of evidence. Yeah, um, I think you hit the nail on the head yet again. Uh, that's definitely true. Um, I think for us, it was, you know, primarily when you look at the work that we do, it's, it's I think one would categorize it as advocacy work, right? Mm. Having started over six years ago doing this work and not being paid for it. And I think we're still at that point. And it's, I think for us primarily, it's passion work, but it's, it's, it's driven in and around bettering the country, you know. And I think just before we went um, to the ad break, you know, I was touching on what um, the Minister of Small Business has said, and I think um, mm. the President, uh, Mr. Cyril Ramaphosa, touched on um, in his uh, last um, State of the Nation address to them, said that small business is the backbone of the economy. And I think it needs, I think what we need primarily is we needed to move from it just being lip service to being actual support where these small entities and these small businesses are actually recognized as being economy, sorry, um, economy drivers, you know, because mm. you sort of look at, you sort of look at, um, I think, um, our third key finding that came out that um, the relief, so the question asked to the entrepreneurs were, um, have you been able to access relief funds? So we break it down with the Department of Small Business, the URF, and also private relief funds. Um, I mean, only 1% have said that they received um, private relief funds. And I think mm -hmm. it almost makes sense when you look at what quite recently the banks have said, or what has sure, been output sure. in terms of what the banks have said in terms of how many entrepreneurs have been able to access um, that relief scheme that they had. I mean, UIF, um, 3% have been able to access the UIF and then the Department of Small Business Relief Fund, only 2% of these entrepreneurs. And I think that this becomes very alarming because, um, you know, I still go back to, and I'm a bit redundant tonight, but I still go back to the socioeconomic impact of that. It's mm. not just one small business, but that loses their business and is, has their business frustrated. But you find that the profile of these entrepreneurs, I mean, they're employing any, anywhere between two to about five um, employees. Mm. Um, and these employees are primarily township-based. And these are black youth from previously disadvantaged backgrounds. So if they're losing, so if they're losing their income, they are not able to provide mm -hmm. for their third parties, whether it be children and family and so on and so forth. So we yeah. really believe that it becomes very important for us to uh, to 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 direct the right sort of support. But an interesting thing, um, Aya, that also um, came up um, was. You know, we talk about, and I've heard and I've seen in the social media posts um, that it's the new normal, life will never ever go back to being the same. You know, contrary 
My view is a bit contrary because, you know, you look at the township, not much has changed. Uh, Quite a lot has not changed, even with COVID being there, because uh, a big thing now comes up, which is the data exclusion. So it becomes, so for, 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 I'll I'll point myself out, for someone like me, for someone like you, and other individuals who are able to access data readily and have got the infrastructure and devices to support it, then those are the privileged few who are able to, um, who are able to call it the new normal. But the vast majority of individuals who participate in the sort of now called unseen economy, which is the township and rural economy, um, Mm. to them, it's, there is no new normal, you know, in a, in actual fact, things have gotten worse, and they've gotten um, they've gotten worse, and they've gotten more bad. So I think one of the biggest things, and sort of almost for us in terms of also then saying that we want to drive um, solutions, and also for us whether it's corporate or government wanting to drive solution, it's we need to then also unpack what started out with the lockdown. So what mm. many of us assumed was ignorance when we were seeing people in the township um, almost seeming defiant and not wearing masks. It was, when you really unpack it closer, it was a lot of our brothers and sisters not knowing what this COVID um, shenanigans was all about sure. when it started out. And it still goes, so it sort of goes back to what a critical thing that we also then point out in terms of our recommendation is it's in government starting to find channels and working with mm. um, industry practitioners who are on the ground, who work directly with communities in disseminating information so that there is no breakdown in terms of what is actually happening sure. and what is actually going out, out there, right? But some of, the second rising challenge, and I think digital exclusion is number one, the second rising uh, challenge that you find is the, the sorry, it's lack of information. I sort of touched on it. The third mm. challenge that now comes up, um, which is a ripple effect of uh, what has gone on with the lockdown is the rise in crime. We've picked up quite a number of entrepreneurs mm. who've been who've suffered violent crime now, whether this was driven by um, drug addictions, in the community, joblessness, and so on and so forth. There's so many different variable impacts to these entrepreneurs. And I think you sort of look at, uh, the, so these are conversations of an advocacy I've, I've been making a couple of years back to say that an entrepreneur who is based in Soweto or any other township mm. should not be put in a position where they need to get onto two or three taxis to access an incubator sure, sure. or hub of economic development. But if we are really serious about um, generating the next level of innovation, but the next level of, level of innovation being proudly South African and proudly localized mm. and proudly township or rural or whatever the case, then we need to bring these tools of economic development sure. to the entrepreneurs. And I guess... But you see, uh, Bulalani, just on that point, uh, it's a very interesting point, and I want us to maybe pause on that. Because if I look at the context data, I mean, that, that's at the start of the report. When you think about the innovation, there's probably the entire sort of value chain of commercializing it and manufacturing it at a certain scale. But yet, you know, the majority of many of the businesses we're talking about here operate from their homes, 72%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was quite unsettling for me to see that only 5% operate from industrial parks. But then it's not surprising if you consider the kind of industries that many are operating in and involved in. I mean, construction and manufacturing are such a small part uh, of, uh, you know, the, I guess, um, choices that are open to township entrepreneurs that it then isn't surprising that we're not making use of some of the industrial parks, many of which are close to the townships we live in. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's definitely true. 
you know, but I think, you know, I sort of look at what we found traveling around the country, having worked with all the entrepreneurs we work with. Is mm. One interesting factor that you find with the South African type of entrepreneur is that it's, it's not the entrepreneur who ordinarily would say, I need funding to start, but it's the entrepreneur who, would, who's already, who already has a prototype. It might not be the best mm. prototype. It might not be the best looking product, but they already have a product going. So they've gone the mile. So we understand ideally the concept of putting some skin in the game because we are hungry enough to make it happen. But the critical mm. thing that has always come up has been to say, okay, cool, I've got this product now. But the key thing that I need is the next level. So the next level could be, you know, getting market access solutions, whether it be at a shelf space at a, at a large retailer nationally or getting preferential um, discounts with larger manufacturers when I procure the product and have it subsidized mm. through their BE procurement uh, processes. But I think the biggest thing that I'd also then try to drive across, and we sort of, when we touch on this, in terms of our recommendations as well, is the almost billions and billions and billions that are spent year on year on um, enterprise supply development, but that money mm. never actually gets to the entrepreneurs. But over and above mm. that money even getting to the actual entrepreneurs themselves, you, you then find that the, you then find that when you measure the amounts that go in versus the output, it doesn't measure up at the end of the day. Mm. So what we've all mm. then said, and in, 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 I've echoed this quite a number of times to um, government institutions and agencies that you know, don't miss the point. It's not that as entrepreneurs, we don't want you to stress yourself and get headaches about giving the entrepreneurs money, but we actually need you to mm. do one critical thing, which is why you're in power. We need you to govern. Regulate, sure. spaces, regulate spaces that you've created policies frameworks for, because, I mean, uh, enterprise supply development is sort of touched on mm. in the BE, triple BE uh, framework, you know, and other procurement frameworks as well. And what we've always said is regulate what, what, what goes on with these billions, because what you almost find, uh, what you almost find is you almost find the same sort of character entrepreneurs moving from one incubator to another to incubator. And and these incubators then collect, I mean, at minimum, um, 200,000 rand a head for a year over a 12, 10-month program. And we're not necessarily saying that the, the program in and itself is useless, but what we are saying mm. is that the program in and itself needs to have market access at the end of it so sure, that you don't have sure. the same sort of entrepreneurial profile moving from one place to another, and then they get profiled by the very same um, um, incubator. So I think that's one of the mm. biggest or you, in, or you are perpetually in training, you know, which is also yes. the other experience that you hop from one training or incubation program onto the next one. Um, Bulalani, it's quite unfortunate that we've uh, run out of time and uh, maybe just, you know, in the last minute that we have, if you can just briefly, for the benefit of our listeners, tell them where they can find the report, uh, which uh, certainly makes for fascinating reading. And I know some of those listeners are policymakers in the space, and uh, this would certainly be something that would be of immeasurable value to them. Um, thank you so much. Um, so, if you if you are interested in getting the report, um, it's pinned on my personal profile. It's Bulelani Balabala, and also the organization's uh, personal profile on all social media platforms, um, which is uh, Join Us for Tea, or popularly known as. Uh, 
um, TEA, Township Entrepreneurs Alliance, or you could go on our website, joinuspetit.co.za, you'd be able to download the report. So we've almost sort of populated it on all our social media mm. platforms. You go on mine personally, you go on T's, and then you go on, you can also email us at info at sure. You'll be able to get that report. It's publicly available. And, uh, yeah, we hope it brings the much-needed change and, uh, yeah, Awesome stuff, brother. I mean, you guys had people trying to join you for tea long before the Nganja teas, and we send it off our hat to you, my brother. For your time this evening. Sharp, sharp. Yeah, well, yeah, Abulalani, I mean, tea has been around, what, for how many years? Five?